End Times. So Andrew and I are carrying on through this fascinating topic. We're taking it in stages and the stage we've got to is the rapture. We've talked about what leads up to the rapture. So we're going to talk about the actual rapture and beyond, whatever that means. The end point of this discussion is another event which is called the Day of the Lord. I leave Andrew to explain a little bit more about that end point, because a lot of people seem to be saying, isn't it getting bad? Perhaps the end of the world is coming. And that's a question which is on a lot of people's lips. The rapture. We're going to meet with Jesus in the clouds. And as far as I am concerned, that's my port of call, meeting Jesus in the clouds but as in many many songs some will be taken others will be left and this is a little bit more about those who are left isn't it Andrew? Yes that's right actually the uh, time of the second coming the rapture is going to be an incredible noisy loud devastating event A lot of literature would imply that when Jesus came, the rapture occurs. Every Christian will disappear quietly. Every Christian who's focused on Jesus will be taken away quietly, and everybody will be upset or confused. No one knows the day or hour. The angels in heaven don't know, and the Son himself doesn't know. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man appears, things will be just as they were when Noah lived. People were eating, drinking and getting married right up to the day when the flood came and Noah went into the big boat. They didn't know anything was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man appears. Two men will be in the same field, but only one will be taken. The other will be left. Two women will be together grinding grain, but only one will be taken. The other will be left. So be on your guard. You don't know when your Lord will come. Asleep in bed, she hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready, but there's no time to change your mind. The sun is But it's going to be an incredible event. Everybody will feel it. Everybody will see Jesus. Those who meet him in the air, that's even better. Those left behind will be wailing and mourning. There'll be a huge earthquake where every island will move and shift. Every mountain will shift. Just imagine all the devastation on the earth at the time of the second coming. It will be absolutely dreadful for the people who stay behind on earth after the rapture takes place. 
I suppose my engineering mind likes to tighten definitions into precise things. That's a scientist, that's the engineer in me. And so the use of the term rapture, I understand, but the use of the term the second coming, I tend to reserve the thought of the second coming as actually being the second coming of Jesus to earth, Mm -hmm. which you equate with the day of the Lord. Mm. So in my reading of your book, and in my thinking it through, and in my praying about it, I'm separating in my mind these two events. There's the rapture where we meet Jesus in the clouds, and there's the day of the Lord when Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives. And when I use the term second coming, my mind really tends to be meaning this time when Jesus comes again to earth and and therefore it's a coming but it's a second one because on the Mount of Olives when he ascended into heaven he left the disciples with the thought of yes I am going but at some time in the future Mm. I'm coming back this way yeah that's just me the way I'm seeing it you tend to blur the phrase the second coming I can explain that a little bit. Can you? Well, I hope so. The word second is used one second, if, if I remember rightly, that it says that Jesus will come a second time. So when we think of the second coming, we can think of the day of the Lord, or we can think of the time of the rapture. But whether you use the phrase second coming to refer to the time of the rapture or for the day of the Lord, it doesn't matter too much. But the New Testament is full of phrases that say when he appears, the appearing of Jesus, and when he comes using the word parousia in Greek. So that can be his presence, not necessarily him stood there and actually doing this and that, but it could be like a one-off event, visiting of some kind. So the second coming, as in Jesus reigning on the earth and having a long-term direct influence on the earth, bodily, so to speak, that's more applicable to the day of the Lord. So I would say the second coming is, in a sense, two stages. But we must remember in Acts of the Apostles, the angels said to the disciples, why are you looking into the sky? This is when Jesus ascended. Because he will come again in the same way we've seen him go. So really, Jesus will come again. And it it does look like it's in two stages, in a sense. So the first part of that coming is that he removes his people. And this is what is talked about in Matthew 24 and uh, Revelation 1-7. So every eye will see him, everybody remaining on the earth will mourn, and we will be with the Lord. But then Revelation, going from a similar point in time in the uh, content of Revelation, we see that God's wrath is going to be poured out upon a non-Christian earth because it constantly says, and they did not give glory to God, and they did not repent, and so on. So there's no other way of understanding it, really. But when you use the word second coming, it can refer to the time of the rapture or the time of the day of the Lord, both. Okay. Now, you have said that the rapture will be visible to everybody and will be accompanied by a lot of things which attract people's attention. Mm. Earthquakes, violence, 
cosmic signs in the sky the moon turning to blood mountains shaking islands moving tsunamis all of those sort of things they will herald the rapture yes so they will build up before this is the build-up just before but quite a quick build-up quite a quick build-up he says in matthew 24 immediately after the tribulation of those days the moon will turn to blood and the sun so on and so forth there'll be cosmic signs just before the rapture so there's a very gradual intensifying and um, frequency of earthquakes and violence and all these terrible things then just before the rapture, there will be these signs in the heavens that will be noticed. And then when the rapture takes place, you will have the huge global earthquake where every island is shifted and every mountain is shifted. This build-up time, Hmm. is it a 24-hour period or is it a few years so the build-up to the rapture is a bit of an unknown. You can't identify a starting point, and you don't know exactly when the end point's coming. You just know as it's building and building and building and getting worse and worse and worse, and at the end there would be sudden cosmic signs, and then it will occur. But it could all be within a generation. There's a couple of verses in the Gospels that imply all of these specific build-ups and intensifying will happen within a generation. So when you get to the point where things globally are incredibly uncomfortable, there's a good chance within a generation the rapture will take place. Okay. But within a generation could be two years. Yes. Or it could be ten years. So there's a lot of flexibility within that. It could be very, very sudden. Yes, okay. So there is the build-up, but there is the build-up and increase in intensity, and you might not necessarily see and realise and so on. So it might be exponential. And then suddenly, yeah, people have got a little bit more used to exponential curbs because during the coronavirus, people were explaining on the television graphs which chunter along and build up a little bit, and then suddenly it goes exponential. Being a scientist, that's familiar language to me, but it's not familiar language to a lot of people. Yeah. But there is a sudden, and at that point, there's no way you can stop it. Mm-hmm. Nobody can stop it. It's going to happen. I mean, it's just before the crash. Nobody can actually stop it. You've also said that everybody will see Jesus, everybody in the whole world, those who are Christians and those who are not Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. I'm getting friendly nods and agreements with Andrew because I'm gently trying to explore my own thought pattern and test whether it's actually correct against somebody who has studied and studied and studied this, whereas, to be honest, I haven't. Okay, so everybody will see Jesus, but not everybody will actually be greeted by Jesus and meet him in the air. Only those who are Christians. And then I ask myself the question, and I've been asking myself this question ever since we sat down last time and mm-hmm. talked through this series. What is the definition of a Christian? Because some will be taken and some will be left. So what is the definition of a Christian? 
Well, I'm sure you'll agree that a Christian is somebody who loves Jesus, they've committed their life to Jesus, and by definition they know who Jesus is. He's part of the Godhead, part of the Trinity. Um, so when we commit our life to Jesus, we commit our life to God. We only have access to God, clear access to God, because of Jesus' death on the cross. And we can have that guarantee of eternal life, salvation, going to heaven when we die, walking with Jesus on earth because he died on the cross first so that our sins could be forgiven and his holy spirit lives within us so if his holy spirit is within us and he's only within genuine christians if the holy spirit is within us we are sealed we are part of god's kingdom we are his children even though we're not perfect in ourselves it is as though we're perfect because the father is looking at us through his son and through what jesus did for us on the cross so these people who love Jesus, they want Jesus, these are the ones who will go up in the rapture to be with him. Then there comes a question of Christians who are perhaps backsliding, going away from the Lord. We don't know from Scripture whether some of those will be left behind. We certainly know that plenty of churchgoers will be left behind because there's lots of people who go to church who don't even believe in God or they don't believe Jesus is the only way. So there will be an awful lot of people who by name are Christians that are left behind and will face the wrath that is coming. That's where my thoughts have been going and I'm not wanting to be judgmental but I don't think I could stand up at the end of a service like let's say for example a recent service in Chester Cathedral and actually stand up and do it a closing prayer and at the end of the closing prayer look around the congregation and say Jesus is coming tonight. I'll see you all in heaven with Jesus tomorrow. I couldn't actually say that because I would not know that everybody in that church service were Christians. Yeah. In the definition, that, as you say. Hmm. Likewise, if I was out on a Pacific lovely hot island in the sun which I have been, amongst a whole group of local ethnic people and there was hardly a church in sight and probably most of them were of some strange mystical religion. I could not actually say to all of them, I'm going to heaven tonight, goodbye, I won't be seeing you tomorrow. Because there might well be within that group of people some who, for some reason, had had some revelation of God yeah. and a closeness of an understanding of God. So I could not decide myself who, personally, is up to God to decide. We want to be ready when we all take flight Because we might meet Jesus in the air tonight 